At the UPS Store, we want to make this summer the summer of shipping. Summer Shipalooza. So you can start crossing items off your must-ship list. Like the vintage film camera your college kid needs for class. Or the vase you told your mom you would send her ages ago. And with our pack-and-ship guarantee, your items arrive safe or we reimburse you. So stop by your local store today for everything you need to be unstoppable. Visit the upsstore.com slash guarantee for full details. Available at participating locations. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Steve Grosso. We begin with breaking news. Stocks slammed as a major sell-off hits Wall Street. The S&P 500 posting its biggest two-day drop since August, and the selling was widespread. All 11 S&P sectors finishing the day in the red. So the question tonight is simple. Is it time to get worried, Tim? Well, the data seems to be getting worse, and so we have some important data coming up tomorrow and on Friday. So you have ISM services, and we tend to want to believe that this is the more important ISM number as opposed to the manufacturing number, which got everybody spooked. Um, This is a trade war that seems to be a manufacturing trade war. To what extent we get that tomorrow? It should be noted that last month's ISM services uh, was a very bullish number, which had the markets reverse a two-day plunge, just like the one we've had when people thought, okay, here we go. But you also had ADP, which showed that the labor market cer- cer- could be. If you look at the, the kind of the three-month average on jobs on ADP, we're down about 25,000 over the 12-month, uh, but not much has changed yet in the labor market. Yeah. Karen, you said last night that you were getting worried. You're yes. more worried on a relative basis. Are you even more worried today? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little more worried today, but I'm starting to see there's a lot more fear in the market, right? There's a lot more things are starting to feel a little bit, a little panicky. Not a super panic, but, you know, one of the things I watch really closely is the VIX. Mm-hmm. We had a very big spike in the VIX today. I'm actually, I think now is not the time to buy volatility. I think it's moved too far, too fast. And if anything, if we have sort of, if, you know, if the this story, the EU um, tariffs Terrace, that, are uh-huh. gonna, that just came out, if that sort of that with some Tesla numbers, which we'll, I guess we'll get to later. If that sort of starts the momentum down and there's a big down open, I will probably be selling protection into that. I like to look at to buy things when they start to trade in integers, some of which I own, sadly, that are trading in integers down. I'm going to be looking for some of those to add. Technically, we were weak. We cut through the 50, cut through the 100 day. I, I said it the other night on the show. I don't see us doing what we did last year. I mean, it's too easy. So I do think I don't think the worst is over. But I think you're okay to dip a little bit on the buy side. You would buy this two-day yeah, dip. Depend, you know, the, the other day I bought Alta. Sold uh-huh. it. So, so stock-specific. Today, thought about buying Roku. Was on the fence on that. Things that have been beaten up drastically that are due for a bounce, I think you're okay with. Damn. Yeah, so I just think about this time last year, the S&P was up almost 10%, uh, you know, trading around 29.50, and, and no one thought we could go down 20% in a matter of months, and we did. And, and I don't think anything's too easy when we're talking about sell-offs in the market, especially when we have um, you know, a situation where rates are so low and people think it really is the only place to be. They think that U.S. equities is the only place to be relative to what's going on in Europe, in Asia, that sort of thing. I just don't like hearing this trade stuff moving around. I don't like it floating. I know we've been talking about trade as it relates to China, and that is the most important thing. That is the economy that's growing six plus percent. And when they slow down, it reverberates all over the world. But I don't like the fact that we know the data in Germany has been horrible. Okay, Germany is practically in a recession, and that is the biggest economy over there. So when we start talking about this trade war having the potential to go on multiple fronts, I just say to myself, you may get your headline that you're waiting for on China. You know, it might be about the the trade deficit. But global PMIs, global 
global PMIs yeah. were negative. They were the first ones that were negative. They were negative for over a year. And now for the last two months, right. you're starting to see that turn. So it might be us chasing them down at this point. Well, the, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I agree with that. So what, them but down, isn't, I mean. is, that's terrible news, isn't yeah. it? I mean, being the last man standing um, when we certainly have the resilience that we have in this economy. Look, I mean, we, we talk a lot about credit and people, you know, come on, say if credit's OK, um, you're not going to see credit hold up if you start to really see the job market fall off because consumer credit's going to trickle through, but also the corporate credit side. Mm-hmm. We talked about those balance sheet numbers. By the way, if you look at the, the high yield ETFs, whether you're looking at the HY, uh, say the JNK, the HYG, um, it's down two points over the last couple of days. Not great news. Um, so if you look at the two day moves, though, in a number of sectors, including banks, I mean, banks in two days have taken out almost that entire rally. Just of like the where yields went and, two and, days. And, and yields have gone down, although the yield curve steepened because the expectation on the low end is actually getting a little bit more bearish. I also think it's kind of interesting to go back and think about 2016, which is a very volatile year. There's a lot of stuff going on. Brexit caused a lot of volatility in June, July of 2016, then into our election. And I think what we're starting to see just this week is we're seeing politics start to infuse themselves into our markets a little bit. And, you know, on the air today, I heard, well, is that leg down because Bernie's in the hospital and that means that Warren might be the can. I mean, this is stuff that we're going to hear for the next year or so, and it may start to have an impact. Or at least until earnings start. Whenever there's a void of something real fundamental to to bite into, the markets trade off of whatever you give them. And do we think that earnings are going to be decent for the third quarter? I mean, given what we've had so far... Micron, Carnival, FedEx, Clorox taking their guidance down today. Delta saying that their costs are higher. I don't know. (laughs) Well, I thought Delta was actually a little bit overdone. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, but on a day like today, it doesn't really matter. Things are going to get overdone and the pendulum swings very far. I'm interested to see what the banks tell us, not so much what happened during this past quarter, but what they're seeing not just for their own business, which is really important, obviously, but what they, they have a great insight into what is happening in the U.S. economy. So that will be really interesting. Uh, you know, the, the auto is kind of rolling over. I don't love that either. Right. But uh, I do. I totally agree with Steve. We need uh, that's the main thing to me. The main piece of data I, when I buy a stock is what are the fundamentals of the company? Not all, not Warren or who's ahead or. With, you know. But also, but also, look at we started off the show saying where where are we? Is this going to be the same way as it is? Time to buy or is it time to sell? Last year we had everyone was raising rates or we were on a raising a, a, a higher rate path. Now uh-huh. everyone is on a lower rate right, path. Right, because and things now, are really bad. Doesn't so that matter? But here, here's the thing. At a certain point, it's it, going to matter. I don't like the it technical It doesn't matter setup. now? I don't like the technical setup. I think we've been weak since around that 3,000 level when we broke down mm-hmm. from there. My issue is that the Fed does not have enough ammo to fight the next right. next recession unless he uses the balance sheet. So, and then once you use the balance sheet, that's a whole nother Pandora's box. That's the only thing I'm negative. We're talking about technicals and we're talking about kind of, you know, where we are in the market cycle. I also want to talk about positioning, which we talk about all the time. I ultimately think it's the most important thing. And while we've talked about equity investors um, certainly could be considered underinvested in aggregate. When you look across retail and institutional, if you look in the data that I'm getting from my prime brokers as it relates to total gross capital at, at the balance sheet, the size of capital at work, in other words, how much exposure is in the market, we're at a 95th percentile for hedge funds for long short 
short hedge funds. In other words, they may be more net neutral and they may not be net long in ways that they have been in the past, but they have a bigger balance sheet, which is dangerous. In other words, at times of higher risk, which whatever you want to say about where we are, we have so many more factors out there that could be things to be worried about. And the fact that the hedge fund community is near um, what would be seen extreme levels in terms of overall balance sheet, I don't like that going into the fourth quarter. So in other words, if there is if there is a sell situation, head for the exits, then we see all that money. I think that's exactly out. right. Yeah, I think you could actually markets. see guys also as as things have to change into year, and mm-hmm. some of these guys might not even make it through this. They're going to have to be selling some of the crowded winners, uh, and you're actually going to see some of the weaker hands and some of the weaker stocks actually catch a bit on short covering. But yeah, I just think you're supposed to simplify during a difficult period right now. You're not supposed to get more complicated, and I think that there are guys that have become more complicated. Yeah, I just again, you know, I, I don't think it helps um, market participants that you know the president, you know, just yelling at everybody all day today, all day long on our network, on every network, you know, that sort of thing. And I just think back to 2009, you know, when we were in the throes of just the, the worst sell-off that we've had, and you know. A long, long time, and we had a president who was pretty calm. You know, just said like that sort of thing. And I think those are the sorts of things that would really be helpful going forward. And so I think this is something that you guys better get used to because this is going to happen here on out. You know, on a daily basis as we get into the end of this year. And but we've had a president that's been yelling at everyone, and the market went to all-time highs. I think now, right now, market hasn't done anything, Stephen. Eighteen months. The market went to all-time highs under under the president that's been yelling. Okay, and it went to all-time highs under every other president prior to that. I think that's your litmus test. I think what you have to do is dig in once hold earnings on. starts. Uh, hold on, but, but, but I, I just want to know, but no, but the politics point is, is, is that but yelling at the Fed and trying to kind of get them to do something that may not be particularly natural. You said is you not better helpful. be aware of something. We've been aware of this. We've had a president. You've been complaining about this president for the last four years. <laughs> we went to all time highs. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, that's uh, not uh, the and, litmus and test. We that's haven't done anything. Traders in months, right and he may he may preside over one of the worst sell-offs we've seen in a decade too, because the policy is also catching up to him. And that's a really important. point. Can I interject something slightly different? Last word, and we're moving on. Back to what you're both talking about is where politics will inject and where they haven't even mattered. Um, Think about what we're actually starting to, to contemplate. If you get any change from this administration, none of it is good. None of it is good for the market, is what I'm saying, in terms of what you have, in terms of legislation. Yeah, you can make with the taxation, argument that it hasn't um, been good you know, for 18 months and it hasn't been good for the economy. So forget that. I'm not making that, a call on that. Saying. What I'm saying is no. from here on out, if you change the prospect of the status quo, the market's not going to like it. Okay. One of Wall Street's biggest bulls believes the market is overreacting to recession fears. Chris Harvey is the head of equity strategy at Wells Fargo Securities. Chris, great to have you with us on a day like today. You actually say that it might be time to put new money to work here on this pullback? What we're looking for is, so obviously we saw what the ISM manufacturing did. We'll get ISM servicing tomorrow. So if we're in line or less, I would expect the equity market to start to sell off a little bit more. We get a 1%, 2% sell-off, then it starts to get interesting. 28 half, 28 25 it starts to get interesting because the risk reward changes, right? We, want, we like stocks when they're lower, not when they're higher. Furthermore, the setup into tariff or, or trade negotiation is a lot more productive. And we think something non-negative is going to come out of that, and you can see a bounce. So we're looking for that negative news to come out. We're looking for that washout to occur. And if it is, we'll look to take advantage of it. Does your view on the trade negotiations that are coming up later this month and and almost a week from now um, change at all, given what has gone on with the president? And and again, we're trying not to be a political show, but this obviously impacts how the president goes into these negotiations. Right. So we've always said that that trade negotiation is a second half type of thing. And so as we get closer to the election, you need more and more certainty. The one thing that we keep hearing is there's so much uncertainty. We don't know. 
So as we go forward, you need more certainty. I think the president is very cognizant of that fact. He's also very cognizant the economy is in kind of a, a difficult spot. And if you put more stress on it, you could push it over. So they need some progress. And also, if you look at it, he's got um, impeachment to deal with. He has an economy that's slowing down. He has some more stress with, with overseas issues. He needs a win in the short term. And, and I think what he needs to do is have momentum going into 2020. And, and that kind of forces him to get a deal on the table. Furthermore, if you think about this, if he doesn't get a deal on the table, the economy does slow down, somebody else's name goes on a trade resolution. And I think that would be infuriating to him because he's done a lot of the heavy lifting to get a deal on the table. So you, you basically turned very bullish a little bit earlier this year. Was yep. it in April or so? Uh, uh, April spring? or so. That's okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so s- since then, I mean, is part of that bullishness predicated on this notion of a stock market present? Because it seems like everything that you had talked about right. just now when it comes to a trade deal has to do with Trump wanting to be the right. one to claim credit, Trump not wanting <laughs> the economy to, to slow down further, Trump not wanting the stock market to yeah. go down more. So the, the commentary before the, the political. So, Tim, I agree with you. Politics are now starting to come into play. We, we haven't really priced it in. I don't think we're ready to price it in. I don't, I don't think Warren or Biden are enough of a threat. But as we go forward, the perception will start to wax and wane. And we're beginning to see that. So, yes, if we get a change in leadership, if trade negotiations don't go as planned, if ISM, ISM serves a lot worse, then we need to rethink things somewhat. But also remember, all your bond proxies have already moved. All your low vols already moved. This is not fourth quarter of 18 where they had underperformed. This is a lot different. People have already moved into kind of a cash and can good mentality. And so the pain trade is actually for that reinflation trade to occur. Even with all that said, in terms of the waxing and waning with the political pressures, et cetera, you still stand by financials, which you upgraded in September. We, we upgraded in September. What we wanted to do is when rates are low, a lot of pain is in there, a lot of bad news, valuation is pretty attractive, the underlying fundamentals are still okay. We had, the Barclay, we had a, com- uh, a conference, numbers came down a little bit, and we think, Overall, the fundamentals are, are in decent shape. Not fantastic, but decent. And for the valuation, we think it's a pretty good risk reward. Okay. Chris, great to see you. Thank, Thank you. you. Chris Harvey of Wells Fargo. You like what yeah. Chris had to say? Well, I like the part, part about financials, right? I'm long. This has been a terrible, I don't know, week the last two days, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't, uh, but I, I think that what has started as the rotation out of growth at any price toward value continues. And this is an area of, I think, very good value. Yeah, 4.8% down in two days in banks. You know, someone was right uh, a couple days ago and doesn't feel so right now. So, you know, I I don't know what the right trade is on banks, but I I tend to agree that the balance sheets and the value rotation that we saw, which should include banks, some of it was, you know, late cycle cyclicality, uh, totally warranted. I I, I do think that that's a fair trade. I look across some of the other sectors, and and it's clear that the defensive sectors have been not yesterday's trade. They've been last the last nine months trade. Um, And they're Therefore, I do think the market is positioned defensively. So what do you think happens, though, when you think about this, if we start to turn lower like we did in 2018 in the Q4, um, when correlations went to one, almost every risk asset started to go down. When you have the XLU and you have staples, two of the best performing sectors in the S&P 500 that are trading at all-time highs, up massively outperforming the broad market, what do you think they're going to do? So if you're, losing, if you're leaving expensive growth right now, what are you going to do with 
expensive no growth stocks. I mean, like to me, I actually I heard all day long. And we had Tony Dwyer on last night talking about how different it is, and this, and we're pricing this, and rates were. Doing. It doesn't really matter if the stock market's going to go down and it's going to start to snowball. These things may lead the way, and the other stuff that they've been coming out of, they're not going to go back into right away. So my point is, is I, I just don't think it makes any sense to be complacent five percent from the all time high. So what's got me worried is that if we don't get a deal, if we don't get some type of a deal in the next week, and earnings are flat, and, and we start to really see the fundamentals shrinking there. I don't like the way the technical setup has been extremely negative, and the Fed does not have enough to fight off a recession this time around. So we'll know in the next couple of weeks where this market's going. Right. That's the weakness that I'm worried about. All right, coming up, Tesla shares under pressure. The company just announced new delivery numbers. We'll bring you the very latest. And later, more on today's big sell-off and what it means for the Fed's next move. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. At the UPS Store, we want to make this summer the summer of shipping. Summer Shipalooza. So you can start crossing items off your must-ship list. Like the vintage film camera your college kid needs for class. Or the vase you told your mom you would send her ages ago. And with our pack-and-ship guarantee, your items arrive safe or we reimburse you. So stop by your local store today for everything you need to be unstoppable. Visit the upsstore.com slash guarantee for full details. Available at participating locations. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on Tesla. The stock is down almost 4% in the after-hour session. Let's get to Phil LeBeau with all the details on the delivery numbers. Phil. Melissa, these numbers fall short of what Wall Street was expecting. Total deliveries, 97,000 vehicles, 79,600 of those being the Model 3. The remainder, a little over 17,000, being the Model S and X. So if you take that 97,000, and by the way, the estimate on the street was for 99,000 deliveries. But if you take that 97,000, add it with first-half deliveries, year-to-date, they have delivered just over 255,000 vehicles, which means they need to deliver about 105,000 vehicles in order to hit guidance that has uh, been delivered and they've stuck with all year of full year deliveries of between 360 and 400,000 vehicles. But again, Melissa, Tesla falling short of Wall Street estimates for Q3 deliveries. The estimate was for 99,000 deliveries. They came in at 97,000. Melissa, back to you. All right, Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau joining us with the latest on Tesla's uh, delivery numbers after the close of the third quarter. So 105,000 uh, remaining. Get to the bottom of the range. Excuse me? Sorry, to get to the bottom end of a range yes, that, exactly. that they had announced. Right. You're still short? <clears throat> still short the name. Uh, look, I, I, it's interesting how we choose to focus on deliveries sometimes and other times we don't care. I mean, the fact that Elon Musk said in February he was going to annualize at 500000 before he got kicked off of Twitter um, tells you that these numbers are always all over the place and they're not going to make those numbers. But that's not why you know, I would be short the company. I'd be short the company because they can't make a profitable car. They are not profitable. I want to see their off-balance sheet liabilities. I want to see how long they can... They can operate. And if capital markets go really bad, uh, you know, that's that would that would be a big problem for this company. I mean, the move in the stock is really not huge. I'm yeah. not trying to apologize for Tesla, but no, I mean, it's not. It's yesterday not it finished higher. Today yeah. it was outperforming relative to the down day in the markets. Uh, so down four percent is I mean, in the context of things is like flat. <laughs> I, right. That, yeah, that's flat yep. for Tesla. I actually that's think that that, uh, you know, given how out of favor Money losing businesses are right now. Right. They're growing and sexy, whatever, and they have a, you know, a very uh, charismatic leader. It trades pretty well. 
Although you brought up, we were talking in the green room about the... Uh... NHTSA has asked for information regarding the summon feature mm-hmm. because there's all these viral videos over the weekend on Twitter about people using the summon feature in which you can call a parked car to come to you. Right. Um, and there were near accidents. Yeah. There are all sorts of things that, you know, Tesla, I'm sure, didn't want to happen. I, I think it's a testament. Tim said it before. A lot of these underperformers in the market have performed as of late. And it's looking, people looking for that reach for beta. And this Tesla still has a 27% short interest. It's down 28%. This fits the bill of people that have been betting against it for such a long time. You have that tax credit that is rolling off for good come January 1st. So whatever they did in deliveries here, I think a lot of that healthy portion of it was pulled forward. So I still wouldn't be an investor there. It's got a world of competition. But it also has a, a, a short interest that any hint or any sniff mm-hmm. of positive news, the stock can rally. Yeah. Yeah, I think Tim kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is a company that if this is one of the worst situations um, from the balance sheet standpoint and from also the product that they sell if we were to go into a recession. And also, you know, you see what crude oil is doing. It's one thing if you're telling me that your crude target is $80 in 2021 or something like that, but it's stuck in the mud here. So you have a situation where this company was desperate to raise cash just a few months ago. Um, They may need to, again, if they literally demand falls off a cliff for this Model 3 that's doing, what, 80% of their units or something like that. So to me, I just don't get it. And, And the other thing is, for Elon Musk to come out with that email, what, a week ago, saying that we're likely or good shot of getting 100000 in the quarter and then coming up short, it just seems like we go back to this corporate governance bit. It's just like enough already. Although it makes it seem like it might have been leaked, because why would you leak something that wasn't even accurate? <laughs> right. So maybe it was a real leak, so We were in cynical other about the leak. I know. I yeah, that's Jimmy. true. Round. I think he likes to round up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think yeah. It's just about, yeah. you know, plus or minus 2K. <laughs> um, we've got much more Fast Money ahead. Here's what's coming up next. Time to take cover? What you should be doing with your money following today's big sell-off. And later, hitting the skids. Why investors are slamming the brakes on the auto stocks. Stick with us. Fast Money is back right after this. At the UPS Store, we want to make this summer the summer of shipping. Summer Shipalooza. So you can start crossing items off your must-ship list. Like the vintage film camera your college kid needs for class. Or the vase you told your mom you would send her ages ago. And with our pack-and-ship guarantee, your items arrive safe or we reimburse you. So stop by your local store today for everything you need to be unstoppable. Visit the upsstore.com slash guarantee for full details. Available at participating locations. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Fast Money. It was a tough day on Wall Street today. The S&P 500 falling nearly 2% with energy, financials, technology, industrials, all leading the way lower. Let's get more on what drove today's sell-off. Bob Fasani is at the New York Stock Exchange. Bob. Hello, Melissa. Let's call it a combination of additional tariff worries and speculation on the health of the U.S. consumer, which is the engine 
of global growth right now. Part of the problem with parsing the state of the consumer is very confusing data. So, for example, the movement of two big-ticket consumer items, housing and autos, they don't seem to be correlated right now. Housing's been very strong on lower rates. Lennar had terrific numbers today. It hit a new high. But autos have not been great. Ford had disappointing third-quarter car sales and was down today. Now, home-building stocks are up 16% in the past three months. Look at this. Auto manufacturers, this is what I'm talking about, down nearly 12% going in the other direction. So here's four things traders are looking for in the next couple of weeks. First and second, any signs of a slowdown in the consumer, starting with first, the Friday jobs report, where expectations are for a gain of 145,000 jobs. And second, the markets are watching for any kind of decline, significant decline in consumer leaders this year. And it's been very clear what those leaders have been. Costco, Home Depot, Starbucks, Nike. All Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.